Hi, this is Teddy, and today you're listening to Brittany Rodas in Pennsylvania on Two Broads Talking Politics. Make sure to always wear a mask. Bye. This is Kelly with Two Broads Talking Politics, and I'm on today with Brittany Rodas, who is running for the Pennsylvania State Legislature in House District 105. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. So we love down ballot races, and Pennsylvania, of course, is super important every year, but especially this year. So I'm excited to talk to you. Why don't we start with some about your background? Tell me a little bit about why you're running for the state legislature. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a former policy staffer for the House in Pennsylvania. I did legislation. I worked with stakeholders and constituents, and I really loved that line of work. Policy um, has a special place in my heart. And I decided to quit my job and run for office last year after I lost my dad of a heart attack. It was very sudden, but he didn't have access to the health care that he needed to meet his health care needs. So he was denied Medicaid because he made $7 over the income threshold And we had previously tried to get him care through the VA because he was a veteran, served in Vietnam. And, you know, the hurdles that he had to jump through and um, try and overcome to get the healthcare that he needed made me realize that the system that we're working in is broken and how many families are slipping through the cracks. So I really entered this race um, in a place of grief and desperate for change that I wasn't seeing happening at the state legislature. So I left my job and I jumped in Uh, my education backgrounds. I have a master's from Penn state where I studied public administration and public policy. So um, my, my love for policy started (laughs) with my master's degree. Excellent. And so uh, Pennsylvania, of course, everyone knows is important on the presidential election level uh, is important for congressional representation, Um, but the state house too, there's an excellent chance to flip the state legislature this year, which has been read for a while could flip both the state house and the state Senate this year in Pennsylvania. Uh, And so Democrats made a lot of inroads in 2018 toward that. um, But there's, there's still a little ways to go. I was just reading about how, you know, a lot of the more obvious targets uh, have already been flipped. Um, But this race was pretty close in 2018. Tell me a little bit about this district. Yeah, absolutely. So the 105th district was decided by 512 votes last cycle. It was won by a man named Andrew Lewis, who is now a Republican freshman. Um, He ran for Congress and ran for Senate and then moved into my district to run for House. So he had a lot of name recognition when he started. And the candidate that we had running last cycle was it was an incredible candidate, but fell just a little bit short. So they see this district, the 105th, as an amazing opportunity to pick up both a House seat and a Senate seat because it's nested inside Senate District 15, which is also nested inside Congressional District 10, which is a top red to blue flip for the DLCC and DCCC. And then um, also we need Central PA for Vice President Biden to win. This district was won by seven points by Trump in 2016. And then our Democratic governor and auditor general won by five points when they were up for re-election. So I think it really speaks to the way that our tickets are split here and the, the work that we can do to make sure that we flip it. We're feeling good about it, but it's going to take a lot of work to get across the finish line. We're having a lot of 
young educated families move into the district, which tend to skew more democratic, where 10 years ago, the the gap in voter registration was thousands of votes, and it wasn't even a, a playing field for Democrats. But when the incumbent retired, they realized that the demographics have changed here, and they continue to change. And my opponent is terrible on all the issues that our community cares about, which really creates a, a very possible opportunity for us to flip this seat. And what has turnout historically looked like there? And what do you expect turnout to look like this year? Yeah, so last last cycle, 2018, there were 30,000 voters, I believe. And um, turnout is always historically low in this district. I, I don't know what the reason for that being other than we had a Republican incumbent for so many years. I mean, I still knock on doors that people say, I didn't even know he wasn't in office anymore. So <laughs> there wasn't a lot of motivation for the local races. The presidential races in 2016, we also had record low presidential turnout in my district mm-hmm. compared to prior years. So we are expecting there to be a much higher turnout this year, partially because of the ability to vote by mail in Pennsylvania. We were just looking at numbers yesterday and 16,000 people in my district have requested and received a ballot already. And more than 50% of them have already sent it back with a huge portion of those being Democrats. So we feel good about expanding the options to vote. And at this point, we're, we're kind of playing defense, just trying to protect the election results and uphold the integrity of the election. So you mentioned that your opponent is uh, is bad on the issues that people in central PA care about. What are some of those issues that are really driving voters right now? Yeah, great question. So education is one of the biggest issues that we're seeing right now, partially because of the pandemic and partially because Pennsylvania has a very antiquated funding formula where all of the schools don't go through the same formula for funding because of um, backdated laws. So We are seeing an issue in central PA and across the state with charter schools where they're able to strip a lot of money from our public schools and we're constantly rising property taxes. So uh, that ties in a lot with the issues that we're hearing at the door, other than, you know, the response to COVID and ensuring that people have a job and have access to health care. But it's interesting about the education piece and and why Representative Lewis is so bad on it. He just accepted $90,000 from the very charter schools that are stripping the money away from our public schools. And we have a huge portion of public school teachers here. Most of our district goes to public schools. So it's definitely an issue that has been around for a while, but it's receiving a lot more attention now as we're talking about having to constantly raise property taxes during a pandemic and making sure that they have the resources necessary to teach safely in their classrooms. So you are a mom of pretty young kids. Uh, This is a tough time during the pandemic to be a mom, uh, a parent for anybody. I I can attest to that. (laughs) Uh, What does that look like campaigning uh, for you? Your kids are fairly young. Do they know sort of what's going on? What do they think about all of this? Yeah, so my children are five and three, and I don't think they understand what's going on. They see me on TV and they think it's really cool. (laughs) Or they'll be playing like Roblox on YouTube and they'll see my ad come up. So I think they understand that there's a change happening, but they're not quite sure what that looks like because they're back in school now. So they leave every single morning and I say, you know, I'm going to work, even though a lot of times that looks like me sitting at my island in the kitchen. So, you know, the hours have become much more demanding and I, I get a lot of, oh, it's it's eight o'clock, mom, why are you still working? So I think that that's been challenging for them, but they enjoy going and knocking doors with me. They like to, my husband will take them to the park while I knock in a neighborhood and they see my signs, they count them in the car. So I think it's exciting for them, but they're just too little to really understand what's happening. 
So when you were working before uh, doing legislation for the House, did you feel like the uh, the kind of perspective of uh, of a, a fairly young person in general, but of a young mom, that that was at all represented in the kind of legislation that was being passed? And you know, what what difference would that make to have people like you in the state house? Yeah, I do not feel like it was represented at all in the five years that I've worked there. I don't know that I passed or worked on a single piece of legislation that would have impacted my life in a positive way, or even had any perspective of any woman or young woman with kids, especially we have had an opportunity in Pennsylvania to pass so many important laws like prescription drug pricing, which doesn't just affect young people, but especially affects our older population. And, um, you know, fully funding our schools, providing adequate childcare during a pandemic. And these issues never get across the finish line, partially because Pennsylvania has the oldest legislature, our members on average are older than every single legislature across the country. And they, are, are speaking from a different perspective of what they need in their lives. I mean, our congressman said that he won't support um, family paid leave off for maternity care or paternity care because his wife is done having children. So you know, <laughs> these are the kinds of conversations that you hear, especially inside the walls of the Capitol. And you just have to think twice about, do they even understand what it's like to be a mom right now? And, and the shifting dynamics of parenting with two, two parents working at home, these are not things that were happening when our current legislators were, you know, in the early stages of parenthood. So I think that it's necessary that we elect women, young women, working moms, women from all backgrounds to the legislature, because we all have these different perspectives. And honestly, our, our policy priorities are much different too. I mean, we don't care about giving tax breaks to the gas industries. We make we want to make sure that our schools are funded and we can afford childcare and every person can. So I think that it definitely shifts the agenda a bit. And I'm excited to see Pennsylvania has an incredible amount of women running. Dauphin County has all females running in um, state house races. So it's really exciting to see. That is exciting, especially in a state uh, that up until recently didn't even have much federal representation by women. Very exciting. So you have a, a ton of really big, really great endorsements <laughs> just from all over the country. Can you talk a little bit about what what those endorsements mean? What you know what what that looks like that process of getting endorsements, and then what you know what that means to a race like yours? Yeah. So. Our race has been endorsed by President Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, and Senator Harris, um, Planned Parenthood, Emily's List. We have, we have literally every occupation from teachers and nurses to the trade unions that are building pipelines. Like we literally have support from everybody. And I think that in a race like this, where the people in our community are all working in different fields and come from different backgrounds, it's it's nice for them to be able to say, especially during a presidential election and a congressional election, when they are swamped with information, they can look and see, okay, she's supported by President Barack Obama. That must mean something. Or she's supported by the nurses. She must believe in science. It's those little things that people look for. Um, and so the process to getting those endorsements really came um, with like the unions and the teachers and all of that was us filling out applications and saying why we were going to support them and how we would be supportive in the legislature and how that partnership would look. Some of these bigger ones, like we definitely did not apply for an endorsement <laughs> from President Obama or even Vice President Joe Biden. Those were targeted endorsements where they were looking at influential races across the state and really people that were moving the needle. I mean, we 
if we win, when we win, I will be the youngest female ever elected to the state legislature in a district that has never been held by a Democrat. And I mean, all of our numbers, our field numbers, our fundraising, we have broken records here. So I think that we earn a lot of those endorsements through the work that we've done early on, but we wouldn't have been able to do that work if we didn't get those early endorsements from our local groups too. So the endorsement process really plays a lot in these state house races where people are looking for a reason to support somebody. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I, I love seeing those. I saw Pete Buttigieg had just endorsed you too. So that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun because we get to see, you know, how people in our district respond to those endorsements. And the nice thing is when we were doing petition signatures and knocking doors pre-pandemic, Pete had so much support here. So I was thinking like, oh, what would endorsement from him mean for us? And it really makes a difference. And especially with President Obama, I mean, that was, I volunteered on his campaign when I was 17 years old and it was my first, you know, involvement in any type of campaign. So I I literally cried when I got that endorsement. That's fantastic. So I know that our listeners probably really want to be able to help out your campaign. There's not a lot of time left, um, but there's enough time to to still make a difference, uh, especially in a really close race like this. So what are some of the things that our listeners can do to help your campaign? Yeah, so we are definitely looking for volunteers to help us virtually through phone banking. We have 12 days to get out the vote. And although people are already voting, um, it's just, it means it's that much more important because we could be calling somebody as they're filling out their ballot. So we are looking for volunteers to help with phone banking. For anybody that's local, we're door knocking and dropping literature. And then of course, we're still fundraising because we still have 12 days to stay on TV and wanna be able to put as much behind our ads as we can right now. So all of our volunteer opportunities can be found at our mobilize link, which is mobilize.us slash rotus 4 pa And then this weekend, we have a really great event with the cast from Hamilton um, on October 25th. So that will also be on there where we'll be doing some phone banking and some special appearances. So we're really excited about that. That's super cool. We'll put links up to those on our website too, so people can find those. What does the uh, the general level of excitement look like right now? I think, you know, my parents live in Ohio, and uh, one of the first signs to me that Trump might win was that they said they were driving through Pennsylvania and saw tons of Trump signs. And so, you know, I'm sort of looking for all those little signs right now. Of what, what does this year look like? How is 2020 different? Yeah, so this year is like a complete 180 from 2016 with the Trump signs. The two municipalities in my district that are heavily Republican have tens of twenties of Biden signs everywhere. I mean, I knock on houses that are lifelong Republicans and they said we voted blue all the way down the ticket. So it's really, really encouraging when we're driving through these more rural areas and we're calling Republicans that said, you know, I can't, I just can't vote for him. And All of our legislators have also tied themselves so closely to the Trump campaign that, you know, they're losing a lot of support because of that. So it's really encouraging, not just in my district, but even in the surrounding districts that have a lot more rural areas. It's and people are also excited. Democrats are very excited. I mean, everybody had their own pick for presidential candidates. But when we see the energy and everybody coming together in the unity that we're building, people are voting early. They're making a plan. They want to vote. They're excited about it. And when we look at these early voting numbers, it is um, it's groundbreaking here. We're so excited to see it. But also in the way that we fundraise and sign volunteers up, you can tell that people want to do more than just vote this year, too, which is which is a great thing to see. So uh, my final question for you, of course, you are super focused on the next 12 days. 
Uh, but how do we how do we build this? How do we sustain this going forward? Because of course, Democrats won't always be running against Trump, and so you know we need to be thinking long term how we sustain this excitement and energy. And have you thought some about what that would look like? Yeah, I absolutely have, and mainly because what we saw in Pennsylvania and a lot of places across the country experienced similar things, where Republicans recognized that if they can build a bench locally we are preparing them for future elections. And while we were fighting at the top of the ticket to elect President Obama and to elect Hillary Clinton, we were not paying attention to those down-ballot races. We're not filling the supervisor positions. My one municipality, Laura Paxton, has a majority of Democrats over Republican registration, and we don't have a single Democrat on our board. And it's because we're not paying attention. So um, the way that I think we build and we sustain this is by starting local people, when they get involved locally, it means so much more to them. And then that continues to carry out because if you have a good candidate on council, then that's a good candidate for a state representative and then so on and so forth. And I think that that's where we really need to get back to basics and build the foundations of our party and come together too, because I think we're at a part in the the party where we're seeing a little bit of splitting and we saw it in 2016. And now we're trying to, you know, weave back together a little bit. And I think it's happening. We're seeing people come together, but it's going to be important to maintain those relationships and continue building while still moving the needle forward. So I think that that's the best way to go about it and to just keep people engaged because even when it's not a presidential election year, there are so many things on the ballot. I mean, our local issues, our Supreme Courts, everything is on the ballot all the time. So just really educating and building and coming together. Excellent. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we talk about? Um, no, I think we covered everything. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. And thanks for talking about down ballot races because it is so important. Yeah, of course. I think they are just absolutely crucial. And uh, we have had Amanda Littman. I know you're endorsed by Run for Something. We've had, had Amanda Littman on the podcast a couple of times and sort of always hear her voice in my head. <laughs> think about down ballot. We got to build sustainable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amanda and Run for Something have been amazing. So I'm glad to hear they were on too. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Brittany. Uh, we will be watching your race super closely on election night. I can't wait uh, to see you as uh, one of the incoming state legislators in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Two Broads Talking Politics, part of the Dimcast Podcast Network. Our theme song is called Are You Listening? off of the album Elephant Shaped Trees by the band Immunuri, and we're using it with permission of the band. Our logo and other original artwork is by Matthew Wefflin and was created for use by this podcast. You can contact us at twobroadstalkingpolitics at gmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook at Two Broads Talk. You can find all of our episodes at twobroadstalkingpolitics.com or anywhere podcasts are found.